0: everyone and welcome to morons reviewing movies one year anniversary one year guys one year we've been at this (laughs) we made it we have you'd think that some of us may have left and came back or something like that potentially happened at some point but you will see on the screen there is six morons sitting here instead of five we have recruited back dave as one of the Probably the original moron. I actually think this may have been his idea alongside Daniel when we very first started uh, talking about doing a little movie club. So Dave has uh, joined us back for a special guest appearance. So a big welcome to Dave from All The Morons. You are an honorary moron for the night. We have got Dave to thank for some classical films that we have watched uh, back in the day, such as Zulu Dawn. I think that was your one and only contribution that you had to the to the movie choices, but we do discuss it on a regular basis, so you have a, a big, big impact on us. And you did as well decide the star ratings for when we decided to rate these movies. I do believe that was your idea to, to kick us off with. Uh, we are here, however, to discuss two movies. We are going to be discussing District 9 and Django Unchained. But before we do that, who can remember the movies that we discussed last week, which was last Monday, not last Wednesday? Because this is a different night for us to be on stream and we don't typically go on on a Wednesday.
1: Halloween
2: was one. Halloween. Oh, Aye, so, then, soon, soon. Mm. so. And Strangers. strangers. Oh, I forgot we did three. Three
0: it- very. It was a triple week for for Halloween week. So Halloween came in at number 26 on the Moran leaderboard with a uh, a 3.55. The Descent came in at number 30 at a 3.35. And The Strangers coming in at a 37 with a 3.10. Quite shocking to be a week where we're generally on the same basis. Um, So this will be a really interesting week to watch because we've had a little bit extra time to watch these movies, so I hope everyone's had the time to digest them, think about what they're going to be talking about, because we are going to talk about District 9 to start with. So District 9 is a movie that was out in 2009, it says here, violence ensures after an extraterrestrial race forced to live in a slum like conditions on earth finds a kindred spirit and a government agent exposed to their biotechnology then typically I would come across and say, Dave, you start this off, but I will put it out to the floor and see if anybody wants to go in first.
2: I feel like I should wait, I'll wait till the end on this one because I feel like I'm going to disagree with everybody else. So, uh, Go on, let's go with Burnsy first for a change. We never go Burnsy.
0: I feel like Burnsy's sitting away in the background. He's got this, like, mysterious fog behind him and stuff as well, so I'm I'm, I'm, I'm thinking big things are going to happen here, Burnsy.
3: I'm not sure about that. I think, like, throughout the week is I saw that this was going to be included aliens, and I voted every single time against it when it was Daniel's choice, (laughs) (laughs) I was hoping I didn't have to watch this. So... At the start, I thought it was quite boring because it seemed as if they were I could see what they were trying to do. They were trying to obviously set the scene for you, but it came across as like it was going to be like a documentary into a film. Um, so like the first sort of 10, 15, 20 minutes I was really struggling with I just didn't really have any interest in it. Um, but once um, Wickes goes to the shack at Christopher's um, so obviously once he's got to the stage of being infected and um, sorry, before he's got to the stage of I being mean, affected, once he goes to the shack and also sort of speeds up for there, that's when it uh, definitely kicks on, and I have a far better film for me. Um, there did not seem to be much character development though throughout the film. Like I didn't, I, I don't know if it was because it was obviously all the actors were, were like quite all are foreign and stuff like whether that was the reason, but I just didn't really, I didn't really spot any great acting throughout the film, and also Wickers didn't seem. He came across quite unlikable. He didn't well, didn't come across as likable at all. Maybe unlikable is a bit strong, because um, he had like when he has like quite a mean streak as well at stages where um, where he's not getting his own way and he just knocks out Christopher, um, at the shack because he realizes that he's not going to be able to transform back into a human for for that longer period of time. But the good points in the film is after like the first I'd say half hour. I did really get right into the film, which was quite surprising for me, um, because I kind of I don't really enjoy any kind of ones that I've got <laughs> aliens and such. Like it's got to be more realistic for me and just like humans for 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 the usual films. Of what I've scored higher higher humans. Um, only. <laughs> sorry, humans only movies. That's what. I like. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. I, it was a really like bizarre film, which it, but it was really imaginative in terms of how the I've never seen a film like it before. Um, it wasn't like edge of the seat stuff throughout it, but there was like words of, loads of, loads of that words that would actually kept you kept you invested in the film. Um, it just didn't really. I think it's just I think I can see why other people would like it a lot more than me. It's just because it's not. <clears throat> Not the kind of film that I would go and watch, but I'm, I'm glad it was chosen because I think now if, I'd, if I looked for a film where we had one pet that wasn't just all humans, as Daniel said, is I wouldn't go into it with such a closed mind. I feel as if it's opened my mind and broadened my horizons a wee bit. I guess in terms of seeing a film with like that now, if I was going to cinema, that I wouldn't be thinking, "Oh no, no for me." I would probably go and maybe maybe would still enjoy it. Um, I'll pass it over to.
0: I'm going to jump in. I'm going to jump right in here. In. Um, it's funny because when Burnsy watches a film, it's typically needs nice to have a love triangle, a pregnancy, and have uh, Vera Farmiga in it before he gets any kind of interest. So he and speaking quite highly something is something is, uh, is unique. Um, for me, I, th- I watched this film basically over the space of two days because I watched it for about half an hour and I turned it off. I like, I, I'm knowing the mindset to watch this at that point, and I knew I wanted to give it a bit of focus, because very similar to Burnsy said there, that I didn't really know what was going on, um, but for me, when I was watching it, I tried to think of the aliens as not being aliens. Just think, think of them as a, as another race, right? And it's, For me, this film became a film that was highlighting how prejudice works, and how oppression works, and racism, and this is essentially a, 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 a race of aliens people that have just been segmented, stuck there and abused, basically, and taken advantage of. They live in a slum-like environment with no rhyme or reason to it. I mean, bear in mind, they were there 20 years when you watch a film, which is a long time for them to be in the same places. And the one thing that was exciting for these aliens was moving to live in a tent. Like That's what they wanted. They were going to move and live in this new area when actual fact it was shit and it was worse than what they were getting into before. Um, The second half of this film was ten times better than the first half. I think the documentary style of the first half one was really hard to get my head around and to start appreciating what it was. There's loads of ridiculous parts in this, because, is it Wickass? Is it Wickass? Is that how you pronounce his name? I think so. Wickass. He he goes from being like a complete weirdo, geeky, really individual guy to being this badass later on who can fight and shoot and all this kind of stuff. Where it it takes like it becomes a bit more unlikable the more it goes on, Um, and the, um, the acting as well because you don't know who these people are because we're typically used to certain actors that you see. You start to look for like. Do I know him for anything? So I spent more time googling who Wickass was and whatever films he'd been in. I didn't realise he was in things like the A Team, for instance. Um He's in
2: loads of stuff, He's in Maleficent as well. He's <laughs> in Alicia. He's fucking badass in Alicia. I'm
0: like that's that's it. Hunter's trivia is all fucked now. Need trivia for Hunter oh, now. <laughs> Out the door. But, um, but when I was watching it I w I, I recognised him so I was like, I'm gonna I'm spending time looking up on him. Um I found it hilarious the fact that an alien was called Christopher. I wanted to know, like, I, I know I go when we do reviews, i always talk about I want more information. I want to know why. I want to know why everything. But I, I wanted to know why, how, like, I wanted to know how they understood what what their language was and mm-hmm. like, how did they learn that? And it was just clicks and noises, like, how did he have fluent conversations? Um, that bit confused. I think,
2: I think like you said, because they've been there for 20 years, Right. If, 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 you mean, if we all moved to Paris tomorrow, we would all learn French after a while. So I think uh, they would have interacted with each other and learned the language pretty early in the whole, what would you call it, refugee situation they were in. <laughs> Daniel, you
0: just joined
4: us <laughs>
0: from another yeah, station. Yeah, what is going on? that was just a uh, I think Ella joined us on a special edition there
4: no, that was a
1: first
5: that's
0: never happened before <laughs> what happened there <laughs> Oh
5: no! <laughs> there's a point she wasn't in the bath <laughs>
0: <on> <laughs> we will swiftly swiftly move on from there but Ella the comment. that what happened <laughs> so what, she just basically took over your screen is on a bus
1: I don't know that's funny,
0: oh, that's funny. <laughs> what was <yeah. laughs> she's gone now, but what we'll do is we'll bring Dave in. Dave, you start to give us your thoughts on District 9. Was this the first time you had seen District 9?
5: Was I? Um, I think you're right in what you're saying, that the undertones of it, especially with it being South Africa and the kind of past that they had between um, the white and the black population and apartheid and all that kind of stuff, there was subliminal messages on the back of that. Mm -hmm you know, with the camp. Uh, so I did get that, but to be honest, as a movie, I really didn't like it at all. <laughs> um, I started. I first started watching it on Saturday and a bit like you, I just felt I wasn't concentrating on it very much. Mm. So I came back to it after work tonight and watched it kind of fully, gave it a bit more concentration. But to be honest, I still kind of found myself drifting it out. Um, to be honest, it might be quite a trivial thing, but it basically lost me the minute they called the aliens prawns. <laughs> <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> that's, that just, that's what I my Known as that just straight away, that was like a, a no-no for me. Um, to be honest, pretty much up until Christopher, I think Burnsy mentioned that in the chat. I just was like waiting for it to end, and it, it did pick up. I felt a wee bit sorry for Christopher when. Um, the, you know, he, he got hit and stuff like that when he was trying to get to his son um, so I, I, I suppose I got a wee bit involved with the character at that point um, I think the special effects with, when they were in the when him and Christopher were breaking into that facility and the, the gun that they used with the, I don't know what you would call it the kind of lightning bolt type things I thought that was quite well done I think the visual of the spaceship in the sky was really cool but just as an overall movie, I was pretty bored. I wasn't invested in any of the characters really, apart from maybe Christopher. Um, the accents were an issue for me. Um, I don't know if it was specific dialect or if that guy is actually South African. Yeah, because is a... <laughs> I, my nephew's half South African, so you know I spoke to his dad and his accent. It, it was totally different for, for this one. I found the accents quite irritating. Um, which isn't gonna really help when it's that way throughout the full eh, the full film. Um so I I mean I couldn't believe it when I done a wee bit of research on it that it grossed over two hundred million at the box office for a thirty million budget. So it's popular I and mean, it's done really well. But it's never performed I was ever you,
0: you it's it is very very unique Um just for real, yeah. fearsome luck one two three yep we're having a good a good day and a great stream it is our one year anniversary thank you for being here feel free to drop us a follow if you are listening um no, Dave, I, I get I get what you're saying on there because it is it's a weird what it's really weird to explain it because it is a hard watch because it's two different films to me it's that whole documentary side at the start where you're starting to understand what the undertone is and what they're going for, and then you've got the action pack finale to the film where it becomes it goes zero to sixty really, really quick. So it does jump forward a lot. Hunter, mm. what would be your thoughts on it, buddy? And i I'm, i feel like we've been stealing all your trivia as well. So if you have, got oh no, trivia, that's it. it's
4: actually f- been flung at the window of my trivia. But one thing <laughs> I did notice as well that nobody's picked up on. It was actually 28 years that the spaceship was in the sky. When you're going through the sort of opening credits, it's 1982 is the date that's on the home video footage of the the ship first coming. And I think the date towards the film ending was actually September 2010, which would have meant that the prawns would have been still less annoying than Boo Boo Sailors during the World Cup that year had they been there. (laughs)
0: Did you write that one down? I know you,
4: uh, you touched on it, being a documentary style, it was the first docu-style film which was actually <laughs> nominated for a Best Picture Oscar, which I found sort of quite fascinating this on picture? that. Um Also, okay. the, there were five alternate endings originally shot, but apparently one was that bad that no one will ever see the night or day of it. Um, okay. The death count, which I found quite surprising, was only 21 MNU staff, um, 3 aliens, and... is it... 5? I have to kind of read my handwriting, but it was quite low anyway. I can't remember. Like, <laughs> I can't remember. I I I My handwriting is atrocious. It seemed a lot higher, Hunter, because, like,
3: when he goes back to get the... get the stuff that he's been infected with... I
4: know, that's what happening. I thought. He brought up a chunk of the building. Aye. But the bit as well which I thought was at the see when he um the bit of cake that he cuts before he screws up all over the cake is the same bit of the building that they up to gain access to go in at that point. I thought that was quite alone. Oh, I love
0: stuff like that. Like little nods. Yeah, we a little not. nod to what's going to happen.
4: Right, on my thoughts on the film. It...
0: Are you still are you still with us? I think we may have just lost cutters because he as his thoughts were coming in there. you still with us? I'm here,
4: right? There we go. Thank we lost you for a second there, Hunter. Oh, you here, just right. said, I as your thoughts. I, I enjoyed the first part of it, but quite the majority. of it, I just kind of felt it, it kind of got a bit too over-the-top sci-fi alien robot stuff towards the end. It just kind of got a bit too mental for me. Um, I liked I mean there was a couple of comedic moments uh, sort of in that as well, like the bit where he comes in for his uh surprise he's like his wife I think I've shit my pants and they like, turn the light on and let like, this whole family standing there. Brian. I thought that was quite funny. But I liked that again, the loser touching on it anyway, but with the whole sort of racial undertones, with the whole kind of how people, refugees, whatever are still even still now to this day, we've kind of seen it in a lot more recent times. It, they're still viewed that way by sort of civilians of the country that they're seeking refuge in, and it's still ongoing. So it's still going to be a problem for years to come. And I guess very well sort of done in that sort of uh, way. But again, as for me, it's just uh, I did enjoy a lot of it, but with as I said, just towards the end, it just kind of got a bit over the top for me, and it kind of downscored a bit for me at that point.
0: Yeah, so just to touch back on something you mentioned earlier about it being nominated for Best Picture, I was having a quick look there to see what else was nominated that year because the winner for that year was a film that I really didn't like, Uh, The Heart Locker. Uh, It's shite,
2: I don't like it either.
0: Uh, Nominated alongside some uh, shite films like Inglorious Bastards, a lot of crap. (laughs) Um, A film reviewed very highly in here, Up. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> I think Sarah's just got over us slandering up so let's not like uh, pick at that one um, James Cameron's Avatar Garbage uh, gar- yeah. Yeah. it's a great year it's a, a serious man an education <laughs> precious up in the air and the only good film that I can see from this list that I quite enjoyed was The Blind Side It was also nominated an for this year Precious yeah, so. is
2: good yeah
0: I've never seen that's Precious, a, so I can't comment on Precious.
2: That big fat young lassie it's good.
0: That young lassie, yep. Yeah, well exclude that first part there. <laughs> no,
2: but that's, it's, that's part of the film. I'm no slagging her for being that. Part of the story is she's a big fat lassie and it's not dealing with that. I
0: see, I see, I see. Cool. Sean, you see this seems right up your street when it comes to films. You are a man known for positivity. Just before we jump into let Sean speak, we had a little look through some previous communication in the movie chat when we started this over a year ago. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the comments on there, I, I think it was myself that put in there saying that Sean won't enjoy any of these.
2: Uh, I think it was Sean won't enjoy something like this. or like even just the, I, we don't think he would even like the idea of it. But,
0: but so we are. 90, <laughs> 90 films on and we have still to find one that he actually has something nice to say about, so let's hope that District 9 can be that number one. Sean we're all waiting so, for you, you are the star take it away. When,
1: when it first started I wasn't too because sh- I didn't read anything up about it at all so I, I, I wasn't sure if it was like a comedy or something because the, the main character, I'm terrible with names but he, he was like a uh, like a he came across quite comedic like he was a bit like a just a bumbling idiot and it also felt at times like you were watching like an episode of the office like the way that they had done like the office shots and stuff like that
4: mm-hmm.
1: uh, but once i got over that i actually really really enjoyed it i liked how the aliens were like the good guys in this because at the start you would you kind of got the impression that, 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 that they were obviously bad nine years out 10, these kind of films with aliens and the aliens are the bad guys and the causing an absolute havoc and stuff but really kind of painted us humans to be just absolute scum scum of the earth like trapping all these basically obviously aliens uh, and just treating them like shit uh, but nah I, I really liked it I, I don't really agree on much about you well, I don't, well, not that I don't agree but I think the opposite uh, it never really got kind of to a point where I thought this was really daft even when uh, the boy donned the Iron Man suit and he turned into Iron Man. I, I didn't really think that was too over the top. Just a film about bit alien, so it's over the top enough anyway. With that's, mm-hmm. really took much away from me. Uh, I also liked how it ended. Where he left, I wasn't sure what it was. It looked like a wee metal flower, whatever it was that, that his wife had showed at the camera at the end. So obviously they'd said that we don't know. Like that was the last sighting of. Sorry, I can't remember his name. Okay.
0: Vicar. Aye, and, it, and,
1: then it, and then it's cut to the, the fully, obviously, fully transformed into a prawn, and he's sitting there with a the wee metal flower, and I just found that, like, really, really nice. It was just <laughs> there to see that he's obviously fully transitioned into a prawn, which is quite
4: weird <laughs> to see. <say. laughs> He's gone full
0: broad. No,
3: but I I I I can you turned it romantic. Basically, seems like Aye. no, I, 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 I just say
0: Burnsy. You're
1: like last thing you're going to say at the me, stupid, and you see the see nothing. Oh. Genuinely, on paper, this is a film that I would absolutely hate, but it really, really did take me by surprise. And as you've already kind of said, like the the alien Christopher. Like, they've obviously to turn that on purpose to humanise him by an actual human name I, I really really felt sorry for him like, throughout the film I thought he was he was really good in it again he's just CGI and stuff but I don't know I just really liked that character uh, as much as you can like an alien character that does not speak English I really really liked him uh, but no I was really really surprised uh, I thought I would absolutely hate it but I really really enjoyed it and I would definitely watch it again Awesome, man. I, I love when that happens, when it's a film that you didn't really expect to like, and you end up liking
0: it. I, to be like, I'm, I'm taken aback by that, Sean. That's far too much positivity for you, so can we tone that down, please, a little bit in the next film? Um
2: oh, yeah, sure we, it was... sure fucking will, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel! Just the uh, uh, So I purposely wanted to go last, because the reason I picked this film is that uh, it gives completely different reactions. Anyone I've ever spoke to that's watched this film, they all seem to have completely different views on it, and that was kind of the same as you guys. I'm pretty much in Sean's camp here. Like, The first time I watched this, it was because I saw that it was nominated for Best Picture, and I was like, i would never heard about it. this South African independent film. I thought, hey, I'll give it a go. Um, and I was totally intrigued by the whole documentary aspect. And see, Once I figured out what they were doing quite early on, when you saw that they were actually trapped inside the spaceship and it looked like they just had sort of been left there and then he turns the refugees and it's like dave mentioned it's like apartheid is what they're trying to represent uh so the aliens are the black people doing apartheid and how they've been moved into slums and everything like that seated like shite um but at the same time i just thought it was good fun as well like john mentioned he jump comes out in an iron man suit and he can use all the alien technology and i thought that was a really good way because it was mentioned earlier on. I think by Burnsy that he was a bit of a. He wasn't really a badass or anything like that. He was a bit of a loser. Um, I thought Sean was going to say David Brent early on because so he reminded me of David Brent a wee bit. It the wasn't it, that
1: like the, that extreme for me. He was like an extra in the office. I would have put it down to like one of I, the background I, team. He's, David Brent is like an right, out there character. It wasn't it, to that point. It was just it just felt like I was watching an episode of like, the South of African Office at times. I, really I liked that. I liked
2: um, I uh, added a sort of element of... I think they did loads of good things here to stop it feeling stupid because you've got loads of aliens living in a city and interacting, and all, that could come across quite slapstick. But I think having the documentary aspect and then the seriousness of it changing, because it was a bit silly with the documentary, then it slowly got more and more serious as the movie got on. Um, I think it does a great job with Vickers because he's, he's a bad bastard from the start to me. He, it's one of those things where the villain slowly learns that he like he learns to be a better person by becoming an alien he learns to be a better human being by becoming an alien and then um because all the way through it he doesn't give a fuck about christopher everything he's doing for is for himself Like he's the most selfish bastard in the world in this film and all he cares about is getting himself back to normal um, and i guarantee that if he had got himself back normally they went back to being the same dick he was and still like evicting the aliens and i don't think he would have learned a lesson um, but by the end he's had to then become what he was impressing, so it's almost like if you watch the war movie and someone's like a guard in a prison in a war camp and they're a horrible bastard but then they end up in the prison that's sort of the idea, but no I love this um, I, it's one of those I've watched it more than once uh, I could watch it again I think it's just really well done I think the acting's great, I think the guy that plays the lead character's brilliant and everything I've seen him in as well um, he's a bad guy in Maleficent, bad guy in Elysium, I mean, he's, I just think he's cool as fuck.
0: So Daniel, we have so, watched um, we have watched war films. I don't know if you remember, we watched Zulu Dawn before, and uh, <laughs> we absolutely loved it. It was fantastic. he's up there with Glory.
5: Zulu Dawn's better than us anyway. That's <laughs> for sure. If you're a blind man,
0: listen, we better not slag off Zulu Dawn. That was the original reason for Dave to jump ship.
5: That's actually Sean's constant goading of me, you know. Well,
0: Dave, as someone who's witnessed Sean bully you and goad you throughout the years, I totally understand where you're coming from. He is Thank the star you. of this show, he does overrule us all the time. We deal with it on a weekly basis, mate. So, we understand, we support you. So, I think that is guys, that is us for District 9. Hunter, do you have any more trivia that we've not already stolen from you that you'd like to share?
4: Yes, um, so um, the actual slum that was used for the film was an actual real slum. And running as a parallel story to the filming being made, the residents of that were being moved out slowly into Better House and sort of slow, shortly before filming actually commenced on this. So I thought that was quite a another... I, I know we kind of talked about it with the sort of advertising the racial oppression that South Africa used to face, but that was actually still happening as this film was being made. Ah, uh, exactly. So folk generally get kicked out
0: of their houses whilst they're making a film about people getting kicked quite out of their houses. I, and the
4: alien language, the clicking was actually made by um, rubbing a pumpkin as we keep the Halloween
0: theme going for the room. Okay, okay. We'll move on for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for
4: missing myself if I was one.
0: Wow. Any other trivia there? <laughs> <coughs> no, before I take it any dark, I'm leave it at that. That's it. Well, Daniel, let's get in and let us know the thoughts on Instagram when it comes to District 9, because I was still shocked at this one, so I want to know how Instagram reacted to it.
2: Yeah. I was surprised that it won as well, to be honest, because it beat a, a lot of, well, every, every round I thought it would go out. I didn't think it would get past the first round, so I was glad it did. Um, Instagram scores were wide ranging as you'd expect as high as a five and low as a one from some people and i think because this film is so unique it's a bit like a marmite movie it's understandable that you'd hate it but i think it's understandable that you'd love it i don't think it's one of those that you could i could never say to someone no you must fucking like this because i don't think it's one of those you either like or you don't so ended up with a 3.75 overall more positive than negative a 3.75
0: and just before we move on to individual scores, just a, uh, an update for Dave on the scoring system. So we do still score it out of five, but we do go in increments of 0.25. Just to yeah. factor that in. Daniel, we'll come straight back to you, though, with your score. This was your movie choice for the week.
2: Hey, I'm going to give it a 4.25. I'm a big fan of this
0: movie. A 4.25. I'm going to jump in with a 2.75 for me. Uh, like I said, Half and half for this movie, for me. Fairest way to score it. Burnsy? Um I'm quite similar to you, as we discussed,
3: so I'm going
0: to give it a 2.5. Quite similar to me, we just know the same. Had to go one lesson there. I'm going to score it slightly
4: higher. Again, the bits I enjoyed, I really enjoyed them, and I know you touched on it, Sean, that it was a film about aliens and giant phones living in a civilized <laughs> city, but I, it's just for me when things get, get a bit too sci-fi, I kind of lose interest, but, as I said, I did enjoy very much a lot of the film, so it's a 3.5 for me. A 3.5? Sorry. 3 out of 5 for me, sorry. Three a 3? Oh!
0: A mid-change. Dave, what about yourself?
5: Be fairly low for me, I'm afraid. That's right. um, also, like, one of the reasons being is, I, I think the idea... I always like judge a film on. If I think he is good, but it could be implemented much better. That's always a big, a big no-no for me as well, because it is quite unique. Like Daniel says, um, I think I don't know if there's any been films after that, or films I've just not seen that are even similar. But I think the the idea is is a good one, but it could just maybe be done better with maybe a better um, producer. It's a one point seven five. One point seven
0: five. And Sean, finish us off. I'm going to give it a 4.
1: As I said, there's not much else to say, I've already said what I said, but uh, a 485, I did enjoy it. A
0: 485, so just while Burnsy does the maths on that, let's get the leaderboard up on the screen so that everyone can see where we are at with our movies. Um, So we still have the same top 10 uh, Goodfellas, Parasite, 7. Shawshank Redemption, Wolf of Wall Street, Trainspotting, Terminator 2, Fight Club, Jaws and Burnsy's favourite No Country for Old Men make up our top 10. Burnsy, is this movie in any danger of getting into the top 10?
3: Unfortunately not, I'm desperately getting New Country for Old Men out of it, but not yet. (laughs) Uh, 3.04 this one is overall.
0: Is this a better movie than No Country for Old Men?
3: Definitely.
0: (laughs) <laughs> so, just looking on the leaderboard at the moment, um, a 3.04 will then move this movie just above Heat and at number 40, and just below Pirates of the Caribbean and Room, which are two films that are much better than this one. So, 3.04 and number 40. So, that uh, brings us to the end of District 9, but before we move on to the next movie just a quick plug on the, the, the socials and the podcasts the social information is still down below uh, we have our YouTube channel we have our Instagram, our Twitter and our Twitch but obviously you're already here um, we are also available on podcast now we are finally, finally on Spotify we are on Apple Podcasts and if you want to be the very very first person to listen to us on Amazon Music be our guest um, if you search us for The Morons Reviewing Movies Podcast, you'll find us on Amazon, um, or Amazon, Apple, or Spotify. That is your three best ones to look at. Um, thank you to the 143 people varying across countries such as America, Bangladesh, and Spain that have taken the time to download and listen to our podcast. Uh, 143 <laughs> people in a month is much more than what I expected. Um, I was quite chuffed with that when I seen that. So guys, Django Unchained is the next movie. Movie number two. With the help of a German bounty hunter, a freed slave sets out to rescue his wife from a brutal plantation owner in Mississippi. Daniel, again, you are the person that chose this movie to be on the list. I think we're going to come to you first this time rather than last. I'll
2: I'll go first this time, so I think I know a bit more about what people will think about this. Um. I, w- I was quite, I know this is a popular film, but we put it up against the Green Mile and I thought it would lose um, and then it won the final by landslide, so um, I wasn't going to to watch it, I knew Sean would be pissed off because it's another Tarantino movie, so this must be about the sixth or seventh one we've done, um, but I first saw this at the cinema when it came out, um, so a long time ago, and when I first saw it, it fucking blew me away. Um, I think, we spoke about this previously, you do get a different feel if you watch something in the cinema versus watching it at home, and I think this is one of those that does have a big sort of cinema feel with the soundtrack and loads going on, Um, but yeah, uh, second watch it's maybe not got the same impact as it had the first time I watched it, because you know what's coming, but I was trying to keep that sort of fresh state of mind with it, but I do still really enjoy this film, I think we've spoken about him before, but Christoph Waltz is fucking amazing, like He's just got this like natural charisma that comes across on screen. It almost seems like he's you not know, putting any effort into acting or everything just comes across really naturally. So I think he's amazing. He's amazing all the way through this. Um, we've got two contrasting actors in this. We've got Sean's favourite, uh, Leo DiCaprio, who fucking loves, and we've got Kyle, who fucking hates, Jamie Foxx. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm interested to see what you used to think of those. But I think, uh, think DiCaprio was unbelievable in this. Um, he plays that part to perfection Like he's so unlikable, he's like a horrible bastard and obviously if you're the type of guy that's going to own slaves you need to be horrible in every aspect of your personality and there's nothing likeable about him in this at uh, any of his interactions and I think he's amazing, but yeah there's a few moments in this that stick to me all the time because some of it's quite difficult to watch but Tarantino manages to do this in a way that so like if you've ever seen maybe 12 Years a Slave or movies like that, and you're dealing with the same subject matter, they're really difficult to get through, and although it's a, you want to get those emotional moments where you are what with those black people had to go through at the time, but sometimes in other movies it's laid on too much, whereas I think this does a great job of giving you V bits of action, wee bits of comedy, and little bits of light-hearted scenes throughout it, even though it's essentially a movie about slavery. Um, like one of the moments like the KKK scene oh, could, probably, yeah. the KKK being funny but it's fucking <laughs> hilarious shouting about the, the holes in the eyes and all that um, and I think only Tarantino would dedicate like five minutes to a scene like that because it's just nothing's happening it's just them arguing over some masks for uh, quite a lot of screen time and I think stuff like that's amazing um, but then the opposite end of the scale when you first meet the DiCaprio's character you've got the Uh, two guys fighting to the death obviously that was the whole point that he'd saved them like old school UFC except you're using slaves to do it Uh, that was hard to watch man, like seeing two guys that don't even want to be fighting with each other but they're forced into it like animals and he's got to kill him and then he he just gets a wee beer and a woman and he's happy, you know what I mean Um, similarly the guy getting ripped apart by the dogs, I think the way they had Jamie Foxx, the way Jamie Fox plays it, I think it's amazing. And like Kyle says, I'm not his biggest fan, but it's it, he came across as so believable to me because, like, see all the scenes where he's having to blend in and sort of play this character that obviously beat down and is a slave. he hate, he's going to hate seeing that guy getting ripped apart by the dogs, but he can't come out of the character. He's got to think about his end goal of getting his wife back, so he's got to, he's got to become a horrible dick to these guys as well. I think the inner conflict with him was brilliant as well. Um I, I feel like I didn't quite have the same impact as the first time I watched it, but I still very much enjoyed this full movie. It's long, but it doesn't feel long. Um, it's got sort of distinct chapters to it, like most sort of the Tarantino movies do. I overall, I like it. It's a good fun.
0: I think you've, uh, you've, my notes that I've got written down mm. is that I think that this movie was in three parts, so three chapters. You've just yeah. stolen that. Uh, and I've wrote down a mix of action and comedy and you've stolen that, so I, I pretty much what the fuck all to say. <laughs> Cheers, Daniel. Um, so, obviously, I slander Jamie Foxx every time we get the opportunity to slander Jamie Fox because he's shite in 99% of films that he's in, but this is the 1%. This is the movie that he is really good at the character that he's playing. He's a believable badass. You know that he's got a gun that he's going to be good he can use it he knows what he's doing he's strong he's he he loves his wife and you can tell that in the film that he's actually got an emotion to her and he's is all for her and i actually find myself quite enjoying having him on the screen which is never ever happened for jamie fox between this movie and having a Kanye West digger song this is only two times that he actually does anything of, as of not <laughs> um, I mean I, I'll just be repeating myself with Christopher Waltz on there, there's no point adding much more out there, he is literally a genius and he makes Tarantino films good, um, this is probably one of my favourite ones though when it comes to a Tarantino movie and I, I'm very vocal in my disdain for Tarantino films there is a lot of stuff that is a bit long in it um, I get what you're saying about the KKK scene where it goes on for ages, but it just adds comedy and comedy. And I actually stopped thinking about it when I seen Jonah Hill in it, because I'm like, oh, fuck, that's Jonah Hill. <laughs> like That that was interesting to me, and that kind of took me away from what was going on in the screen at that point. But it, it's one of those things you're like, I wonder if, like, it is obviously a piss take of what the KKK was at that time, and it makes you think, like,
2: I wonder if that was a real problem for them. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think uh, the idea is that the KKK didn't exist yet. This was like the first iteration of it. This was like the first time anyone had ever tried it. Uh, so you had to obviously master the masks so and all that stuff. But uh, I, it's spotted like One bit I do want to mention a bit, but I stopped because it'll be in Hunter's trivia. But <laughs> the dinners, having dinner and doing the negotiations and all that, and then the capital finds out and the scene where he slams his hand on the table is that in your yeah, exhibit? On. Yeah, I... No. I'm gonna go ahead then <laughs> uh, so the scene where DiCaprio slams his hand on the table and he's fucking fuming and he knows everything's going on like they're all busted and all that right uh, and he's going fucking mental and he, the performance at that point is amazing and then he's got the blood all over his hand
3: mm-hmm.
2: and he smears the blood all over their face and all that right uh, that was all an accident he smashed a glass by mistake, so he was meant to just slam his hand on the table, but he popped that.
5: Yeah.
3: Oh, right. I exactly. Uh, he uh, he I thought that
2: thought just right. like. As well. Wonder what was going on. So he had he had, lived, had Like, see the bit with the blood on her face and all that. He just came up with that in the spot, uh, which I think is fucking amazing.
0: Danny, mm-hmm. you 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 set Sean off, and he's. Uh... Leonardo DiCaprio excitement. I'm shocked to even hear him, though, still kicking about Mary Hill looking for him. Is Daniel, what was the foundation upon which my trivial was built. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to
4: say, no, sorry, man. See what,
0: happens, <laughs> you? See, see, see what happens when I delegate jobs, eh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I mean, that scene is awesome. I mean, you watch that, you watch Leonardo DiCaprio going. You see the reaction of, for instance, these, um insurance guy or whatever he is there, he's, he's accounting. The reaction was that that wasn't supposed to happen. I knew that happened in the film, so I was, when that scene was coming out, I was looking for the details in there and watching the reaction that other people on the scene sets off knowing that it, this wasn't supposed to happen. Um, I don't know. I, I, I really, really like it. What I wanted to talk about, though, is I want to talk about Samuel L. Jackson. Right? And I want to say the best way to describe him is he plays the perfect whitest black man ever. They build yeah. up to that because they talk about the worst person to be hated was the head person for the slaves and the black people on the screen. He was the worst and the most hated person from them all and then Samuel Jackson's character come in and you hate him for the minute it starts but what I thought was really cool about him is when it comes to that end battling scene with him and Jamie Foxx and he just drops his cane he drops his act it was all an act that he's been running for years and decades as part of that and then what I liked about that scene is he just kneecaps him and kills him like I'm no Mm -hmm. fun about you get yourself out, you're gone. Let's bring Dave in for his thoughts. Um, so,
5: it's a good movie. It's, it is a good movie. I think it's the third time I've watched it. Um, and kind of similar to Daniel, it definitely didn't have the impact on me from the first time i have seen it. If this was the first time I was reviewing it, I think my opinion would be different. Uh, probably higher, uh, but it is a good movie. Um, definitely, the first act is my favourite part of it. Um, compared to the to the second and third uh, part, of it which might seem strange because a lot of the action happens towards the end. But similar, uh, I mean, I'm oh, I'm just going to say it because I think he has amazing Christoph Waltz, um, and I sense about myself similar to night with Heath Ledger. I was always wanting, I was waiting for his parts in it because I liked him that much. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's just that good on on camera. I like Daniel Sage, just so natural. Um, I actually done a wee like search on him after it, and he's, he's not actually been in that many movies that I've seen. But the ones that I've seen him in, he's just like tremendous. Um, this is where it might get slightly controversial, as. I have I've got a bit of a different opinion on Leo's performance in that. Oh, uh, talk to us. So, by no means bad, but for me, what a lot of his other movies, it felt to me like it was Leonardo DiCaprio playing a character rather than like Go of Wall Street. It was Jordan Belfort catch me if you can, it was Frank Abernethy. That felt to me like it was Leonardo DiCaprio playing this guy. Like it was a stage like, character. The, the bit with the dimples, that was like brilliant. But that was like my, that was my favourite part of his performance. And I just never really, I just couldn't, I couldn't really see past that. Because um, I've seen him obviously in loads of stuff and I've always got drawn in by his character. But See that's the best way I could explain it. It just felt like it was real playing candy, um, which obviously it is. But I, I don't know if that's makes sense. But no, it makes I, sense I because
0: you, you want the actor to be the character rather than the character being the actor.
5: Yeah, yeah. Aye, therefore, um, and then it's a lot. It's just typical Tom, you know, into it, like the action scenes. And I'm sure he <laughs> will, will not be too pleased with actually doesn't like his guard, but. <laughs> Typical Tarantino with the uh, like the shots and the, the the blood and stuff. Um but I not too much to add. Good movie, no as good as what I thought it was the first time I seen it. Probably not my top Tarantino movie. Um well it's not my top Tarantino movie. Um was there um, um, did anybody notice any feet in this movie? I didn't. Really? I
0: didn't.
2: The only thing I can remember is Jamie Foxx's hes smashing Big Bobby.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh well, they should have got it fucking cut off and put in the mantelpiece.
2: I thought—I actually thought at that moment that was a good moment as well. I thought they were going to cut his dick off. Like I genuinely was drawn <sighs> in. Mm-hmm. The first time. Like, oh my god, I'm going to, they're going to cut his dick off and have it in the hand. That's what I thought the next scene was going to be. So, up. Okay, so so
0: just watch just just to jump in on a, a little sidebit here. So Walton Goggins plays the guy that was gonna cut his bobby off. Right? But he also the plays the trans the transvestic or transsexual in Sons of Anarchy. And I can't picture him now without seeing him as that lady from oh, Sons of Anarchy.
1: I was
2: wondering have I seen him before? <laughs> <laughs> He's played like a sort of redneck sort of scumbag in quite a few things. I'm sure there's a horror movie. It's like The Last House on the Left, I think, or something like that. He's like the horrible bastard in it as well.
0: But Honestly, in Sons of Anarchy, he plays an amazing character, but you know it's a man, and he's got big, massive boobs and all this kind of stuff, and it's very sexual, very innuendo. So when I see him in this as being like the redneck badass and stuff, I'm like, oh, this is this is weird. <laughs> But he, he's a he's such a good actor. Like he's in Ant Man, he's in Predator and stuff. There's some really good films that he's in. I'll have a look to see what the the horror movie that he was in is there. But I just want to jump in because it totally threw me when I seen him and that scene was going on. And obviously I'm not intentionally trying to concentrate on a smashing big Bobby, but I was like, is he going to cut this willy off? Oh, that's a guy for Sons of Anarchy. Um, and that to- totally threw me for six there.
2: Sean, is uh, uh, Smashing Big bobby the name of the podcast now,
0: actually? we're just going to say
4: that, actually. Aye, Do
0: you know let's what? Let's keep the farthest team going for our podcast titles. Smashing Big Bobby can be the name of the podcast. Last week was Glow in the Dark Dildos, so yeah. <laughs> let's go for Smashing Big Bobby so far.
5: Yeah. Sean. Hi, so um, before Sean comes in, I just want to uh, ask, and Daniel's probably going to be the best person to answer this, but. I don't know if I feel like I've completely missed it, but has it ever actually explained why uh, Schultz and how Schultz knows about Hilde and that A, she speaks German and that B, Jamie Foxx is is whatnot. Does that ever get explained This to is that just...
2: Aye, there's a whole scene where Jamie Foxx says that he's got a wife and she's got mm-hmm. a German name. And then Christoph Waltz tells him the fairy tale about the German princess with the same name. And then he tells him that she speaks German and blah, blah, blah. And that's where they decide to stay together and be like a duo.
3: And then they search for her in some kind of, they go, they're they in like a cafe or something. And then they're going through all this book to try and find her where all the people that are owned by our are, are slaves, basically. And then they come across and realise she's at Candyland. I'm sure
0: too. And he, co- okay. he quotes a line from the fairy tale to her so that she knows there's a bit of, like, safety with him. mm
3: hmm
0: There you go. Yeah. Oh, right, OK, when
3: he goes into the hotel room or...
0: so when, Yeah. So just before that, he quotes a line from the movie and then you see her her body language and her face changes slightly right. to, mm-hmm. to be like, right, OK. And I went over my head that bit. It's cos she wasn't yeah. like, pregnant and having a threesome with two of her guys, so... <laughs> know <laughs> well, that might happen at one point. <laughs> she passed it before it could happen. For fuck's sake! Well, let's bring Sean in before this gets into a darker conversation.
1: Uh, I'm not so sure about this film. It's got really, really good scenes. It's got good moments. Kind of. I'm just going to go over what's been said already. But uh, Christoph Walks and I, I love the character in this, and I like Jimmy Fox in it as well. But it's just your typical Tarantino film for me. It's got really, really, like, visually it looks really good. The acting's good. There's some good scenes. Like, the opening scene was brilliant. It it reminded me
5: of the
1: opening scene of *Inglorious Bastards* as well. Just Christoph Waltz just totally stole it. But then it it just, like, every Tarantino film just, just goes totally, totally just miles and miles and miles out of just reality and I just I, I really struggle to watch it it's far too long uh, there's no there doesn't need to be two hours and 50 minutes or whatever it is two hours 45 minutes <laughs> it's just a lot of it is kind of stretched out nonsense uh, it's I'm, I'm a bit torn with it because there is bits of it I enjoyed like I love the scene where they go to where they go to the bar and then the sheriff comes out and then he shoots the sheriff in the street and then uh, the marshal comes out like I love that he's just so calm in that situation he's played it brilliantly but I just I, I carry you no know, look at like the final 45, 45 minutes of this 45. film and I, I just I totally like for when uh, uh, Candy wanted to shake hands uh, with Christoph Waltz and then obviously he shoots him and then Christoph Waltz gets shot for there it just totally went just totally stupid really really daft I don't know if he's noticed, but in one scene, that Jamie Fox—I think it might have been the last scene where he goes back eh, to the to the house to get eh, what's his name.
2: Can't his name. Samuel L. Jackson.
1: Aye. When he goes back to get them, and then eh, he, he says to the, eh, to, the eh, to the two slave lasses to say bye. Can't the last name that was standing in the doorway, and mm-hmm. he shoots them with a pistol. And she totally like was. It's as if like a, a paranormal thing. just dragged her out the room, and she just her right back about forty <laughs> miles an hour. It's just so over the top. And it, I, I just can't. I don't know. It's because we've watched so much of Tarantino films recently that it just. I just totally lose interest. With it. There's too much, far too much blood in this. It's just like for every scene with blood in it, or for every moment with blood in it, they must have used like a, a pint of ketchup or something. It's just totally over the top. <laughs> And I, I just lose interest to it.
0: Just, just, like just the, totally beyond that. Just to jump in on the blood side of it, as much as it was ridiculous, how fucking funny was it? They kept shooting that same guy that was lying down, and get his legs just blown off at either side. Oh, and sort of going, <laughs> god, I mean, that was that was funny. That was. <laughs> I. Like, <laughs>
1: like, <laughs> that, that's like a weak kind of humorous bit and all that. But like again, I just, I just totally lose interest to it now. I'm, I'm sick to the back to see, Camtino films that like we've done. We just seem to have done like. About six in the past, like ten weeks. I was going to say I'm to give just... Dave a bit
0: of an insight. We've had a bit of a Tarantino fest going on for the last ten weeks, where it's been him every week or every other week. So,
1: uh, it just um, seems to be never ending, isn't it? and I, I'm thankful that there was the the, the, the only feet that I've seen in this was when he cut the chains off of Jamie Fox at the start. you seen his feet there, and I'm glad that there wasn't any the other feet apart from that. Uh, but again. And it just shows the ego of, the, of, of, of Tarantino again. He had to put himself on the film. And I brought this up with Pulp Fiction and I was told with Daniel that, that it was due to budget. Because obviously, I, I don't think there was a particularly big budget for that. What, what's the excuse for this one? For why we see in the film at the end? They had a massive budget for this. He's a total egomaniac. And as I said, in 10, 15 years from now, his name will be up there with Epstein's and have a, 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 of, uh, what's his name? Weinstein. Weinstein. His, his name will be up there. He's an he's a absolute egomaniac, and he's, he's a vile, vile guy. I cannot stand him. And Again, when I've seen his face, I can't actually remember it, because I've only seen this once before. Uh, but it just really, 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 really just made me want to turn it off. There's no need for him to be in this at all. Again, everything's about him. I can't stick him. So, just to
2: uh, say, right, do you feel that way about other directors and movies, that they're uh, Are they just Tarantino?
1: I, I just... I,
2: him like like what about is clint eastwood an egomaniac for making grand torino a million dollar baby if or you put an no, agenda no he's, he's an actor dead. that's the bottom
0: line yeah. there's
2: no uh, agenda
0: here he's Wy- an actor did weinstein not produce this film
2: yes and he produces all these films mm. right?
0: the best well, part they
4: may well produce the next one rather no.
1: <laughs> and also ta- again we're going on a bit of tangent here but tarantino was defending weinstein as well i'm pretty mm. sure He's an... I just... No, I'm sick to the back of I think, we should, I I think, think it. we should
0: stick to movie chat before we go down the rabbit hole the wine <laughs> you, scene. You brought it up. I only asked him for reduced it. Well, I've got a bit on the abuse.
1: Aye, so just to go back, th- there is moments... There's a lot more moments in a Tarantino film than this that I like compared to his other ones uh, that, that kind of save it a bit. But as I said, the, the, the last 45 minutes were just totally, totally ridiculous and way over the top, and I just totally lost interest mm. in it. Um, Don't matter. Like I thought
5: that um, the the worst bit of the whole film for me personally was when he got released. When he was hanging upside down, he got released, and then he ended up with those three Australian guys, mm-hmm. and he, he killed them. And then that's how. And then he went back to the candy house. That to me just felt. As if they couldn't have come up with anything else.
1: That just felt like that, totally that's what I'm saying. That that was Tarantino. It's just an excuse to get him in the film. He was one of the Australian guys. Just an excuse to give him a like for him to have a part. But it was
5: him because I felt that was sort of place. It was lazy. Right. It was a lazy way for them to get him back to Candy, Candy's house. That that I, I didn't like that part at all. No, because he can't. You know, because I've not got an agenda like yourself. <laughs> <laughs> right,
1: well, there, there's no agenda. It's not as if he's rejected me. It, it I, I've, I've no. I,
0: in the spirit of the film like, he's obviously he's killed those three in cold blood he's made an agreement with them, killed them in cold blood, as much as it's wrong what they're doing but in terms of that time period at that point it's no different to what anyone else is doing and then he's went back to the house for his revenge or his vengeance, whatever you want to call it.
2: All right, I do agree with the guys actually, I think, and this is something that's typical of Tarantino, I don't think he does good endings um, in general, in, in all of his movies, um, and but I don't, I don't think that necessarily makes it a bad film. Like, like I'm a big Stephen King fan, and he openly says like he kind of do endings. He's, he's shite at writing endings, and I think sometimes it's a bit of a difficulty. And I think that's why most of his films end up so long because he doesn't under, he doesn't know when to end it. I think if it was up to Tarantino that we just keep going and adding something else and adding something else. And I think, Dave makes a good point, and like John said at the end there. Um, that last bit's totally unnecessary. If he's going to escape, have him escape when he's there, and he's yeah. already. So you don't need him going away and coming back, and mm-hmm. it was a bit of wasted screen time that bit. I do agree. There you
0: go. Could I, could I save twenty odd minutes here? Burnsy, You've been quiet on this one, mate. Let's bring you
3: in. Um, I like when this one got picked again. Although it was a Tarantino film, and I think I've enjoyed everyone we've watched before. It's so when I read, like, a, I read a quick bit about it for Chosen stuff, and I was kind of like, I'm going to hate this. Based, like, 150 year ago, it's like a Western film. Obviously, that was just for what I'd, the wee bits I'd, I'd read, and it was the complete opposite of that. So, not until, obviously, it was still set 150 years ago, because stupid to have said that, but in terms <laughs> of enjoyment, it was, um, it was really good. Um, the beginning, I didn't really know where it was going at the start until... Um, well, Waltz turned up I was kind of just about like why are they why are they got sleeves, where are they going and all that kind of stuff but once obviously he finds Jandro and um, Who? Who? What? Who? Who did he J- Jandro
0: gonna, you did. I'm going to make you wait because you slide me off for pronunciation Burgess? so what's the name of the guy?
1: <laughs> but, it's, but he met J.B. Cox
5: Cox
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> he sounds like an area manager in a call centre. Jamie Fox. <laughs> That's it, <laughs> Jamie Fox, and then
2: yeah. what? Just, Jamie Cox. Jamie Big Fox.
4: Cox smashing Big <laughs> Bobby. <laughs>
3: Jamie Fox, I said
0: You said Jamie Cox.
3: Well, I don't know, that was a slip of the tongue then. Um, uh, I aye.
0: <laughs>
3: so like the scenes at the start, like once they actually moved on and. um I really I really enjoyed the beginning of it where the, the first meet and the becoming bounty hunters, the build, the rapport with the characters. Whereas this one, unlike the previous film, unlike District 9, you actually got a lot more character development throughout it. Like You felt as if you knew, knew a bit about the background. Um, I thought like it was a bit weird, but weird in a good way, that when it was maybe about an hour and a half in before DiCaprio was in the film, I think it was roughly about that because I saw he was playing a part I was thinking, where is he actually going to come into this film? It was weird seeing him... Although he turned into a main character halfway through, I expected him to be in far longer in the film, but I think it worked to the benefit of the film that way. Um, in terms of... it went When it went to Candyland, that's where I did really start being really on the edge of my seat for it. Um, as Daniel had touched on, the fighting scene and the dogs mauling the black guy to death, that was disgusting like it was a struggle to watch that um the the bit where he first meets his wife again i thought like that was quite i thought that was really well done as well like i felt as if it was kind of quite and you could feel you could see the emotion because they played it that well the two characters and and waltz in that scene too um when they go into the meal um that for what I remember, I don't know if you'll be able to correct me if I'm wrong, but it seemed as if a lot of it was just like in one scene. I know there was bits that went through the kitchen, but it did seem as if a lot of it was just in one shot. Um and I felt like that was just you were just on the edge of the seat again for that, wondering what was going to happen, if they were going to get found out, and obviously they were. When it comes to the ending, I think I'm similar to Sean, um, Dave obviously touched on it that like there was loads of blood and guts and I think I've got this I think you're kind of misunderstanding me though it's not the fact that I don't I can deal blood and guts in a film but it's when it's just like constant for like 20 minutes it's like, it it feels as if when there's that many killings that much blood, that many shots fired it feels as if it loses its appeal in terms of like the the shock factor of it if I want somebody to be shot and killed I want to be like, oh my god that's happened not in terms of, oh there's one shot, there's another there's another 30 folk that have died it loses its its impact for me when you start doing that if you want to have a if you want to have killings that are meant to affect you when you're watching a film then I have like just loads and loads of people dying in one scene Um, but that's obviously what most of Tamteno's films are like it was similar to Kill Bill um, Kill Bill 1 where um, there was just like when she goes to the I can't remember she ended up, but I wish she was just fighting with all, with all, with all the disciples
0: basically. Similar um, yeah. so to that. Crazy 88. Eight. Sorry? She, she fights a crazy 88, eight. is that what you mean? Aye, I think so, yeah. Um oh, mark John Paul that. No.
3: Yeah. And then the final thing was that the I thought the handball was quite a good touch as well, because it referred back to obviously when Christopher Waltz says, remember to keep that, you might I can't put exactly his words where but something like keep that in your pocket, you might you never know when you might need it, or something like that, or just like keep it as a memento to remind yourself and obviously uses that further on, but I did think the ending was a bit contrived <sighs> and similar to use that it could have just ended and him escaping at Candyland instead of going back and I never I never even clicked on that was time to on you know, the film, but um it did seem as if that was unnecessary. So like overall it was really good. It was just the the only part for me was just the ending and that as usual with Tam Tiro films there's just far too many deaths, far too much blood, far too many gunshots.
0: Do you not know, think though it was it was quite quite funny during the scene where he he's standing at the top of the stairs and the people are coming one through one one by one through the door and they're not getting killed. But the whole thing about it was the fact that it was like, who's given this individual and I won't repeat the phrases that they use in the movie, but who's given him a gun? Who's given him a gun? And they're more worried about the fact that this other ethnic group has got a gun compared to what's going on. He's slaughtering you all. Stop fucking running in. Um, Sorry, Buttsy999. Reese, welcome in, mate. Thank you very much for the happy one year. Appreciate it. Thanks for being here. Um, I just wanted to add something. I don't think it'll be in Hunt or Trivia. Uh, Probably will now that I've said that. But to touch on Sean's point about the Tarantino wankfest that these films happen to be when they make some, is he actually makes two cameo appearances in this movie. Did ever spot the second part? No. Nah. So he plays one of the regulators, i.e., the bagheads, the one that says, "I think we should." I think we all think the bags were a nice idea, but we're not pointing any fingers. They could have been done better. So no bags this time. That was Tarantino as well. There you
3: go. Oh no, appreciate that.
2: Do
0: you know what else? Some young actor or actress or whatever who's trying to make their way in
1: Hollywood is getting put out of a joke because of this prick. Maybe well, that's what, um, <laughs> he's trying to make his way in, in Honestly, Hollywood. like, I just... Oh, I absolutely hate him. I hate him so
4: much.
0: Partner part that's a good time to bring you in, my friend.
4: Right, uh, again, I think I'm just going to be echoing a lot of what's been said already. Christoph Waltz is fucking amazing in this, like, but definitely his favourite performance um, of mine of him. Um, the first sort of it does sort of maybe drag a wee bit until Leo comes in, but even then you're getting that character development, that camaraderie, that chemistry between him and Jamie Foxx it builds up. You get obviously you get a strong understanding, and a great relationship together with these two as they build up. And then when I mean I, I know you've kind of touched on it, but it's in my favourite. It's actually one hour three minutes until we see Leo on screen, so. You've got that full-hour build-up. And then when Leo comes in, and then it's just, I think, the scenes where Waltz and uh, Leo are in it together, I think are just superb. You've just got two actors at the top of the game, trading blows, and it's so good, uh, in fact, not good, refreshing, sorry, to see them maybe playing opposites. But obviously, apart from exit Man and Iron Mask, this is the way of time that Leo has played the villain in a film. And Christoph Waltz, I guess, someone who's more commonly playing the villain mm-hmm. in film. So it was actually quite good to see them on the opposite side of the scales and they both deliver um, masterclasses for me. I mean, at times for me, the overuse of the racial terms did kind of grate on me a little bit. And it is was actually Shock Horror, um, the film with the most record use of that word, which is actually 116 times.
0: Okay. Yeah,
3: cause there's quite a of backlash for that, wasn't there? I think I read bits of it after but yeah, there was a lot of complaints about how it was kind of, sorry, I'm just going to add, it's like it It was kind of quite, like, it made you realise how bad things were and, like, kind of hit you. I found myself kind of, like, quite, not upset, so a bit strong, but in terms of, like, it really hit home in terms of how bad things actually were. I mean, like, you are a
4: football game and it's probably just as bad out there, so...
3: Listen,
5: well, when, it's, when it's it's for, like, solid though, as well. Oh. There's no point having like at less because back then that would have just been used as you know as flippantly as we would say hello. Do you know what I mean? So uh, I think it has to be in there to actually see like, it how, how bad it was. Like uh, Dave mentioned in
2: his review as well, and I like to follow up from what you're saying, Hunter, I think uh, it's. I think you need it there, right? And I think what happens, you, the shock factor wears off quite quickly. Because hearing that word can be quite jarring in a film. You don't normally see it in a public space, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but then by the end of it, you're really used to it. And it's whether that's meant to sort of be the, the idea that you can become numb to it and all these folks that are there, it's just normal to them. And I suppose it takes you to the idea of the movie. Because none of the... Obviously, a black character in a movie now, if that word was said to them, there would be a reaction. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of what you're expecting. Normally, there's a negative reaction to hearing that. But in this movie, times haven't moved on yet. So I think, like Dave said, it represents the time that that wasn't a shocking word in the slightest. It was an everyday word. Jamie Foxx's character, none of the characters, they don't get offended to it. There's not been that change in society yet for us to get to that
5: point.
0: It's interesting, though, because... Not even just using the words specifically, but the actions. So, like seeing an individual on a horse or seeing an individual sitting in a pub, like that was disgusting to some people. And that was like punishable by law and death. And i like you
3: see, even just the, it wasn't even the actual, some obviously they were using words at the same time, but even like some of the, even some of the, obviously the way they were looking at um, Jamie Foxx throughout it. As well to try
4: and obviously show you that that just wasn't meant to happen. I mean, even Dude. realistically, a hundred years later, like that day, things were still sort of, and that was probably a day even changed in hundred years post from when that film was set. But uh, um, whatever right. I've got here is, um, I thought Leo, when filming one of the scenes, was feeling a bit uncomfortable about using the term, and apparently like, um, Samuel L. Jackson pulled him aside and says, "Mate, this is a bit, this is just a Tuesday for us. Eh? Stop <laughs> getting your knickers in a twist."
0: <laughs> Which is oh. scary, scary mm-hmm. stuff.
4: Uh, but I uh, know we've kind of talked up Jamie Foxx. He is great in the film. But did you? The role was not originally written for him. Can you guess who was
0: originally for yeah, no, that that
4: Denzel, Will you know? Smith. Uh, well, Will well. Smith directly. <laughs> and Will Smith's agents and management told him to accept it, but he ended up declining it. And there was a few. It was offered to a few more people. Denzel was considered, but then he was then thought of to be too old, and then they eventually settled on Jamie Foxx.
0: Will Smith has let some fucking movies go in his time, hasn't he? The Matrix uh, to do Wild Wild West, and then Django, right. he's let go as well. On
4: uh, I had uh, he's still done a re-free I don't
2: know, he's become a box office block for the last decade, basically. When was the last film he did that done
1: anything?
0: To be fair, i pretty Harry sure says, that 40 million in his bank account, oh well. I was listening oh, to t- 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 Big Willie style on the card the other day. first album, one. The one person that's listened to him on Spotify for the last six months.
4: <laughs> <laughs> get me, the podcast has got me listening than Big Willie.
0: <laughs> so I, I take it as maybe more trivia if you've got any, or even yeah. more thoughts in the movie.
4: And I know we've kind of touched on the length of the film as well, and I kind of overcome that we've that's kind of well sort of. Apparent that it's kind of set over three parts. Um, the words originally talk of splitting this film, making it kind of longer and splitting it over two parts, like a Kill Bill one and two, but Tarantino decided not to do that. And he has says there's been a lot of this, I mean, a lot of the trivia was regarded, um, people who were in the film and cut different scenes that were cut. I mean, there's one but apparently Yona Hill's character was meant to have a bigger role. He was meant to play the son of a slave trader who had actually bought um, Jamie Foxx's wife. Uh, sort of and was actually bought her as a lover but that whole segment was cut away all together and ended up just having that role over the sort of baby KKK sort of scene uh, but what Tarantino has apparently said is that there will be a longer version of the film with more of these deleted scenes added back in, much to Sean's enjoyment <laughs> well, We can't we have much more Tarantino films to
0: go I think we've only got things like Death Parallel you might yeah,
1: be asking de-action into the extended one for Sean Tay, because I yeah. know what, uh, there's no danger of watching The Hateful Eight, that's one of the worst films I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm uh, well, well, even give Once it a Upon day
0: a day Time yet. in Hollywood? I, 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 again,
4: I'm even watching that, I'm absolutely, absolutely
0: see sick of that. Movie. Well, listen, if we're going to watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, we should follow <laughs> it along with Once Upon a Time in America, one of the best gangster films ever.
5: Nah,
2: that's, they're both too long, that's like just, six hours a movie I, I'll need to take a week off work to get through that you want
0: Jackie <laughs> Brown, Jackie
2: Brown's good Jackie Brown's good, but I would say I'll be happy to take a Tarantino ban for the next three months Aye,
3: come on, like, it's,
2: we've done it today <laughs> If
3: you <laughs> your, own, if your own choices, then that goes out the window Aye, you can, Aye, pick. So you can pick everyone, out but
2: I'll
3: just not speak to you Just a nice shot
0: Well guys, before, has everyone had their say on Django, anyone got anything else you want to add to this? All good. All good. So, before we go on to review this, I just want to point out that this is number 58 on IMDB's top 250 list. Um, It was a winner for two Oscars as well. Best writing for an original screenplay by Tarantino. And a best performance by an actor in a supporting role by good old Christoph Waltz.
4: One so, final bit of there. Christoph Waltz was on screen for one hour, 16 minutes and 17 seconds, the longest amount of time anyone's ever been on screen to win the award for a supporting role.
0: Uh, That's clever, I like that. Mm-hmm. Bring your trivia on again after I've asked if you've got any trivia again I'll cut you. So, <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, what did Instagram have to say about Django?
2: Pretty well liked as you'd expect, um, mostly fours and fives. Ended up with a four point zero nine overall. A
0: four point zero nine, and again this was one selected by yourself, so what would you say for yourself? Uh for different reasons, I'm
2: giving this a four, so slightly lower than district nine. Um just because I do agree that the the ending does it does lose its way a little bit. Um, and I do feel like Dave said if it was, this was the first time I'd watched it I'd probably <laughs> score closer to a five but it loses its impact over time so a four for me.
0: Uh, Dave, you mentioned these names. So Dave, you come in and give us your scores next please. I'm um, giving it a respectable 3.75. 3.75 which is exactly what I wrote down for myself. So I'm going to copy on that one Dave 3.75 from me. Burnsy? Um, I'm going to give it a 4.25 You just had to go that one little bit higher than Daniel didn't you? (laughs) Hunter! (laughs) um,
4: I'm going to keep the line strong so it's a 4 for me as well.
0: A 4 for you so for you that don't know, Hunter and Daniel have got a really interesting relationship together where everything has to be the same.
2: We've just got good taste together, we've both got good
0: Uh, taste uh, Listen Let's discuss fear and loathing and then we'll talk about that. Good taste. Sean. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm going to give it a 2.75. Just the,
1: the last 45
0: minutes really just put a damn on it for me. A uh, uh, 2.75. A 2.75. So just whilst Burnsy is working out the numbers on there, I just want to plug our podcast once again. So, like I said earlier, we are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, as well as Podbean. Um, we uploaded a podcast from one of our early episodes of recording, um, which was around the Fear and Loathing episode, and on feedback from each other, it was fucking awful. Um so we've deleted it, and we are going to continue the podcast moving forward each week as we go, because we do feel that the quality is much better now. Um, so apologies if you have listened to it already, um, that's not the standard that we want to be putting out there, and hopefully the no. content that going forward is going to be much, much better. Um,
4: a much more professional level as witnessed witness now. Yes.
5: Oh, fucking, it's, it's night and day, because And things like that. Say what, that again, Dave? You're more professional, such as like, you're smashing big bobbies and you're.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Glow in the dark dildos last week.
5: who's <laughs> oh, well, smashing big bobbies
0: like... Well,
2: Hunter. Hey, Bob, smashing big bobby. But
0: oh, it's alright, okay. Hunter was highly intoxicated for the last one that we have uploaded to Spotify, so uh, we've taken it down, but please, please jump in, give us a listen, and download on our latest episodes. Um, Burnsy. I've bought you enough time to get your fingers and toes out. What was the average for that one? That was a 3.71 overall. A 3.71. I'm just going to pop the leaderboard back up on the screen just now. So 3.71 takes us up above. It breaks into the top 20, guys. So it's going to move down The Hunt, The Departed and Nightmare on Elm Street. So a top 20... Just below another Tarantino film, which is sitting 19th of Pulp Fiction. So, not bad bad at top Mm -hmm. 20, actually. We'll take that, that's decent. So, guys, that concludes the two movies that we did watch this week, which was District 9, which came in at a 3.04, and Django Unchained, it came in at 3.71. So, we're going to now move on and show you the movies that we're going to be watching for next week. We have a slightly shorter turnaround time. We are obviously streaming here on a Wednesday when we typically do it on a Monday. Our next stream, however, is going to be on the Monday coming, which is the 15th. So, we've got a few days to watch this movie. So, please guys, get in and get involved with it. Don't leave it to the last minute because we've already lost two days. The movies are up on the screen just now. So we have got Whiplash and Joker, which I am fucking buzzing about. Two incredible movies. (laughs) These are movies that have fallen at the last hurdle on previous um, Instagram polls over the last year. So the two winners are Whiplash and Joker. Uh, I believe Daniel's already got ahead of the game and watched one, so a lot of us have got some catching up to do. But a very, very exciting week. Dave, feel free to to watch these movies as well. Have you seen either Whiplash or Joker before? I've seen Joker before, yeah.
1: Have
0: you seen Whiplash? I <laughs> went to the cinema to watch Joker. I tell you what, though, Whiplash is one of the best films I've seen in a long time. I definitely one of the one of the words that pops up in the poster for it is exhilarating, and it's probably the best way to describe it. It's absolutely incredible. Can't can't do you save it Monday. Save it for
2: Monday.
3: I
0: just okay. want to show you oh, out, Ned, because you've said that. <laughs> I fucking challenge you to that one, you prick. <laughs> okay, okay. so let's get on and spin the wheel to see which movie is coming up, uh, which movie choices, sorry, are coming up on our Instagram. So, it helps if I get this wheel on the screen. There we go. <clears throat> so, we have got some new categories on there. We have got the Five Morons on there once again. We have Critics versus Audiences, which will be taken from Rotten Tomatoes. Um, we have Comedy, Action Slash Thriller, Critically Acclaimed, Pre-1970s, and An Unseen By All, which would be interesting to see how that plays out if to find films that we've all not seen. So the wheel is spinning right now. Round and round it goes. And we are going to land on... Oh, Daniel, you're going to have to do some research into this one. It is the pre-1970s.
2: Cool. Uh, if we can't, so I've thought about this before, and If we can't get enough that are 1960-something or 1950-something, we'll include the 70s. So it'll be 70s or below or before.
0: Sounds good. So stay tuned on the Instagram. The Instagram uh, information is just down below on the screen as you see it. But that brings us to the end of the stream. I just want to say a big thanks to Dave for joining us. Um, One year on since we did start this uh, movie club, podcast, whatever you want to call it. It's grown arms and legs. Who would have thought when we started this earlier on that we'd have 350 followers on Twitch, 1,200 on Instagram and people that actually listen to us on our podcast as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But thank you very much for being here. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you very much for downloading, and we will speak to you next week. Take care, everyone. Bye bye.